thank you for joining us. Uh, this is Ask the Zamboni Experts. Uh, my name is Don Zamboni, and I'm here with uh, John Monteleone from U.S. Ice Rinks uh, Association. And uh, we also have Marty Elliott, Doug Peters, and Scott Douglas. How are you doing, John? Good. How are you, Don? Good, good. Tell us a little bit what, uh, about uh, your training and, uh, and uh, what your uh, guys are up to lately. Well, well, kind of, kind of like everyone right now, just kind of fumbling along, figuring out how, how we best proceed in uh, the current COVID-19 pandemic. But we're uh, U.S. Ice Rinks has tried to uh, just take a leadership role in the ice industry, and you know we've been creating online content um, over the past eight weeks try to get out to uh, different ice rinks, ice facilities, and uh, try to work with their staff as best we can. Um, obviously, you and I work together quite a bit with the IMEO class, um, but we've been doing our operations and risk management course online, including our human resource management class. And uh, every week on Wednesdays, we do a Q&A with some of our instructors. And on Thursdays, we do a focus roundtable conversation um, various topics kind of that are pertinent for the industry right now so one of the things the the u.s ice rink association does um in partnership with the ontario recreation facilities association so we offer a certified ice technician program uh cit and it's made up of three different classes um there's a basic arena refrigeration class there's also an ice making and painting technologies class. And then we have the IMEO class, the ice maintenance and equipment operation course. Um, those three classes taken together, about 75 hours of a curriculum. And once someone's successfully completed that, they become a CIT. On the management side, we offer a certified rank administrator program, uh, CRA. That's made up of three classes as well. Uh, human resource management operations, uh, I'm sorry, operations and risk management, as well as our programming and marketing class. Those three classes taken together, um, roughly 60 hours of training. Um, and once you've completed that, you become a CRA. If uh, we have about 200 people right now uh, in the industry that actually hold our certified ice rink manager uh, professional designation, which is both the CIT and the CRA program taken together. Um, you know, about 140 hours of uh, training goes into that professional designation. So John, the video has become a powerful uh, part of the teaching process. Are you uh, using that more? And what, what's your um, view of using video in the future? Yeah, and that's, uh, that's a great question. I think, um, you know, something that I've seen, particularly from you guys on your website, the video content that you put out there has been instrumental into kind of breaking down a, a difficult topic to explain someone without being around a machine. So, you know, I've had the opportunity, in addition to all the classes that we teach, um, you know, we do have some rinks that will ask us to come in and, and retrain their staff. And one of the first things we do is we'll hit the Zamboni website and go through all the videos there. From a, a simple educational standpoint, I, anyone that's working in a rink these days should really spend some time uh, you know, going through the websites and trying to learn what they can learn, particularly from the source. I think, think that's a pretty good way of 
of keeping your staff fresh and knowledgeable. And, um, you know, it also helps to eliminate some of the bad information that's out there too. We've looked at trying to do a little bit more online um, right now to, to continue uh, developing new operators, um, get, getting them from, from just driving the machine to actually understanding what they're doing while they're out there. And, you know, I, I think it'll be difficult to actually teach a full IMEO class um, online for the simple fact that, you know, we'd, we'd like putting people in the seats and, you know, we'd like having, uh, you know, experienced uh, operators go through the, you know, the controls with them and, and teaching them what they need to do. Um, so that, that part of it would be difficult to reproduce um, in an online format. But I do think, um, you know, as far as going through content and watching those videos and, you know, the important stuff like circle checks and, you know, understanding fuel safety and all of those things, I, I, think, uh, I think all of that can be accomplished pretty easily online. John, Doug Peters here. How are you doing? Good. How are you, Doug? Good. Getting by one day at a time here. Uh, it's been an interesting a uh, few weeks or a few months now, I guess we're at. But um, I just wanted to maybe ask more of a personal question. Uh, my recollection is correct. Uh, you're involved in uh, baseball with uh, some of your family, if that's correct. Maybe you could expound on some of the things that you like to do and uh, that is outside of um, the job that you do with um, with the organization. Sure, sure. Well, um I mean, right now with, with my kids, um, both having their baseball seasons canceled, we've actually, uh, we take an hour every day, which is my lunch break. Um, we head up to the field and, you know, I've coached both my boys for baseball for, uh, boy, uh, 14 year old, I guess I've been coaching him over 10 years now. So, uh, starting off in T-ball. So I'm still, uh, still pulling coaching duty, but it's just the two of them and, you know, it's uh, it helps us kind of kind of pass the time, and more importantly, it gives mom a break and she gets the house to herself, which is uh, nice for her for an hour every day. Yeah, it's got to be challenging. Fortunately for me, I'm onto the grandkid stage and uh, don't have to worry about how to take care of uh, kids and uh, maintain job that kind of thing. If you could also maybe expound a little bit on. Um, how you got your start with the organization uh, and what your background is. Were you involved with ice rinks uh, before you came to work for um, USIRA? So I started in the industry um, about 20 years ago. I was uh, working for a property management company. Um, it was the first ice rink I had ever managed. I Prior to that, um, I'd worked inline hockey and indoor soccer, and um, I'm actually an aquatics guy by by trade. I've always done recreation. I'm about uh, well over over 30 years at this point in in the recreation field, but I um, was working at an inline hockey facility in northern Colorado, and uh, I had met Dave Westcott, who was uh, working at a rink in Florida, and I was coaching an inline hockey team. And his building just happened to be hosting USA Hockey inline uh, national championships. And my facility was getting getting ready to go through uh, 45,000 square foot expansion. So I sat down with Dave and picked his brand a little bit because he just got done building a 
200,000 square foot facility. So I figured uh, no sense in reinventing the wheel. And um, so he reached out to me um, about a year later. He had just taken a new job um, with serving the American rank start and had stopped by the facility to see the expansion. And little did I know at the time that Dave had actually played hockey um, in Fort Collins um, through a junior team. And, you know, so he and I just kind of sat down and started talking and, you know, he saw what I was doing with inline hockey and told me a little bit about his organization, which was STAR. And uh, I became a member, went to the first, uh, uh, let's play hockey expo um and star was teaching a class that i sat in and i i took that class and you know dave and i had a little little bit more conversations about that and with my teaching background i used to used to teach uh cpr and first aid and lifeguarding for the american red cross so um you know i sat down and we wrote a customer service class together and started started teaching it for star and next thing i knew i was on their board of directors and this was about 2002 and uh well i guess that's that's all she wrote from there i i started on the board and and served um eight years on their board of directors um and then i took a year off and joined the rink magazine edit board while i was still working for ice rinks and um then I ended up, Dave left, Dave left US Ice Rinks um, to start his career in the NHL. And uh, I was asked to come on as the membership director. And I served in that role for, uh, for about a year. And then, you know, we had some, some turnover and some changes in job titles. And, you know, with my background doing education, it kind of made sense for me to take a little bit bigger role. Um, and that's what I did. So I've been with US Ice Ricks now. Uh, this is my coming up on my 10th year, ninth year, ninth year. That, that's quite uh, quite a resume. It's interesting you bring up, uh, I think it's Bradenton that uh, Dave was at, if I um, remember correctly. I can remember going back uh, to that facility when it first opened and they got their machines and going down there and uh it's one of these things where uh bring up history and get labeled as a dinosaur uh, you got a few more years to catch up uh, to be my dinosaur age but uh, it's 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 a quite the resume and it's um it shows at the classes that you put on uh how much time you've got invested in the industry and your passion for it uh, which is great um, another question I've got for you with regards to uh, where we are today with the CV, um, what kind of things do you think are going to be challenges that ice rinks are going to be faced, not just from a standpoint of getting more guests to visit uh, once they're able to be opened back up, but what kind of challenges uh, do you think the backside of the building people are going to be faced with? And what do you think STAR is going to be able to do to help them out with uh, those increased items that they're going to have to address to make sure people feel comfortable in their facility? Well, and, and honestly, Doug, you kind of hit the, the nail on the head with that. We Getting people back to the rink, they have to be comfortable. Um, so we've, we've been advocating, you know, 
making sure your rinks are kept clean and you're doing the things like disinfecting, not just saying you're doing it. It's that whole, it's that whole broken windows effect. If, if you're familiar with that, you actually have to have staff out and about physically cleaning something and, you know, whether you're in a state that's going to require personal protective equipment, be worn at all times, or, you know, just when you're cleaning, you know, what, whatever that might be. But I, think really making sure that you're you're following your state protocols and you're working hard people will come back to the ranks um but they're not going to do that until they're comfortable and you know even right now um you know they come up with a miracle cure and you know how how likely are you to go out celebrate going to a fancy restaurant i mean most people still aren't comfortable with going out and about even as states start to open up so I think some of the things uh, a rink manager can do, a rink staff can do, um, is allow people to kind of take care of themselves while they're in the rink, in addition to everything else you're going to do. So things like hand sanitizing stations, um, you know, even having a handy wipe station. If, if you think about going into the grocery store, you know, not, not just eight weeks ago, but, you know, uh, they always have the handy wipe station there and, and you're able to grab one and wipe down your handle. You know, that, that to me goes a longer way than having someone stand there and say, well, we already wiped down the handle, so you don't need to worry about it. So for someone like me, yeah, I'd, I'd like to actually be able to do some of those things for myself. Um, so even, you know, when rinks are fully back open, a sanitizing station makes a lot of sense to me. Someone can grab their own rag, their own spray bottle and, you know, spray down a table and chairs and that type of stuff. But that's what it takes to make a a customer comfortable, why wouldn't you do it? Yeah, you talked about the uh, broken glass or broken window syndrome, and it's kind of like that with graffiti, um, where if you get rid of it right away, uh, it's less chance of it coming back. And I think that it's really going to be people's perception. Uh, perception is people's reality. And if they see the staff more present, um, more out there in taking on uh, trying to put forth a clean facility um, for the guests to utilize. I think that it's not only going to make the government officials that are going to be coming out, possibly checking on ranks, um, but it's going to make the customers uh, feel better about coming into the facilities. Yeah. So, yeah. so that's the crazy part about all of this is, you know, right now, rink managers are you know, provide an extra time for their staff to clean and, and do some of those things. And, you know, geez, I wish it wouldn't have taken a pandemic to to start doing those those type of things. I mean, how, how many times do you guys hear, I've, I've only got 10 minutes to do the ice, you know, but but now we're giving our guys 45 minutes to do the ice. And, you know, that, that to me is just, I don't know, it's the way it probably should have always been, right? Yep, I think so. It's uh, but it's a challenge. It's like trying to balance on a sword, uh, being able to make enough revenue to keep a facility, which an ice rink is a very expensive entity, not only to operate but to utilize, um, and still get everything done that you need to do. And some of the facilities that, and you see it probably much more so than I do, um, but some of the facilities that are out there, a lot of them were built in the '90s uh, with the Mighty Duck. Uh, boom, and uh, they're approaching 30 years old, and that's time when challenges are going to be even more so, and this 
the timing of this, I don't think ever would have been good, but it's certainly uh, a more challenging time now. Mm -hmm. One uh, what, one other question that I've got for you is, do you see or have you seen anything as yet? Uh, I've been on a few of these phone calls and uh, seeing a lot more things across the internet uh, in regards to possible uh, new devices to help facilities keep themselves clean. Uh, do you see anything right now? One of the ones that I found kind of interesting was a drone uh, that was going to be more so not in a community type rink, but maybe it could be utilized in that, uh, but in a bigger building that would go out and spray some kind of disinfectant to try to provide a healthy environment. What are you seeing in your um, in your line? Well, that's um, that's the million dollar question right now. I guess is is people trying to keep their you know their rinks, their homes, their businesses as clean as possible. I think um, I, I think we're going to see a better trained employee coming up. Um, you know, there uh, so much has always been out there with the right way of doing things, and uh, you know, quite honestly, not not everyone was doing things the right way. I mean, you know, my, I guess my biggest, my biggest thing is with personal protection equipment, um, you know, PPEs that you're supposed to be providing to your staff anyway. You know, you look at your 16, 17, 18 year old kids that are passing out skates and, you know, they should have always been wearing rubber gloves for the simple fact that, you know, when people are skating, they sweat and when they skate, you know, it gets into the skate. So coming into contact with bodily fluids there, we should have always been providing our staff this stuff. And, you know, now we're, we're really looking more at how we're gonna be training people to do things the way that they're supposed to be doing, things like disinfecting and, and uh, you know, deep cleans and some of those things. And you walk into some rinks and, you know, the, the misconception is, is, you know, hockey stinks. It's, you know, it, it's got that smell associated to it. and you know, a kid puts his bag in, in a locker room and then, you know, pulls it out 20 minutes later and that smell stays in there for a couple of days. Well, that smell wouldn't be in there if things like the locker room had proper airflow and if it was being cleaned correctly and, and some of those things. So I think, uh, I guess kind of in a roundabout way to answer your question, I, I think I think people just doing things that they're supposed to be doing will go a long way in, in mitigating your your risk. So do you think that you're going to probably see in our industry um, more deep cleaning uh, than what you've seen in the past on a much more regular basis? You know, I, I think I think what we've seen, uh, you know, the, the content that we've put out on cleaning and things like that, people have, I think people are more interested in self-educating themselves right now. Um, I mean, if, if you think about everyone on this call, we've all spent you know, an hour or two every day on online, pulling different information, different resources and things like that. I, I think a lot of rink managers have done that too. Um, so I, I do think there'll, there'll be more attention to detail as far as, you know, cleaning things like our locker rooms and our trash bins and, you know, spectator areas. And I, I would hope, you know, not, not a half glass full type of guy typically, but I would hope that, everything that's kind of gone on over the last couple of months and all the newfound knowledge a lot of people have picked up. Um, I I would expect facilities to to really kind of step it up 
I think everyone has that ability now, and I, I think everyone realizes the importance for that, not just from a public perception, but you know, from a public health and safety perspective. Do you think that uh, this is going to give US IRA an opportunity to have new courses that uh, specifically are um, developed because of the CV? And if so, what, uh, what might some of that be if you can let on uh, some things as to what you guys are might be looking at. Well, I mean, we've we've actually covered things like facility cleaning, um, equipment rental, like learn to skate. Uh, I'm sorry, like um, skate rental, those type of things. They've always been covered in our operations and risk management class. Uh, all of our other courses, um, particularly on the CIT side, we do cover pretty extensively things like PPE use. Um, you know what employers should be providing. So I I would just kind of uh, COVID has kind of taken things to the next level for us as far as you know really trying to research things and and find good information. Um, you know from the CDC from the EPA. Um, we've always had these organizations involved with our curriculum. So it you know I I, I think. I think the information's always been there and I, I just think people are paying more attention to it now. Great. One uh, question that I've been pondering about is with everything that's gone on and you guys are involved in putting on educational sessions out in the field, we're involved in going out to trade shows. Uh, where do you think this uh, CV is going to take us in training sessions going forward, as well as what is uh, NARS going to look like, do you think, going forward? Do you think people are going to be comfortable in coming to uh, having uh, to an organization's event that is uh, as well attended as NARS is? I think, I think our members will likely be more cautious, but I, I don't think the impact on like our event, NARS or our regional training programs, we're still planning on doing them. And I, I don't really see people in our industry staying away because of a fear factor, but I would expect them to, you know, do some things that maybe might make them more comfortable. You know, things like having a hand sanitizing station and, you know, my, my mom's been prepping for this her whole life with always, always carrying a bottle of her own soap in her purse. So, you know, for someone like her, she'll keep doing what she's doing, you know, but I think more people start doing some of that stuff too. Yeah. And I so, think that in or, or in facilities uh, where this stuff's held, hotels, convention centers, that's obviously going to be a new and different world when we get to that side of things. I, I want to throw this off uh, to one of the other people sitting in on this uh, call, Marty Elliott. Uh, has a few questions for you. Thanks, you? Uh, Doug. Yeah, thanks, Doug. Hey, I got uh, two questions for you, John. Uh, the sure. first part is, what, uh, as far as the US, uh, USRA um, involved with the both uh, municipal, state, and federal government, have they come to you folks to ask for suggestions for an SOP when arenas actually start opening up? Have they uh, uh, kind of picked your pocket? Uh, do you have any insight on that? Yeah, I mean, we, we've we actually been pretty involved with um, 
every state association and uh, you know just working with USA Hockey, US Figure Skating, we we did put together a a document called Returning to the Rinks, and it's kind of a a soup to nuts document as far as the things that rinks should be doing with you know everything from putting up signs to you know how they should be cleaning their facilities. So all that information is out there. Um, and we've made that available, not just for our members, but to the entire industry. Um, I just had a call the other the other day with a guy that was getting ready to open up a rank in Vancouver. Um, and, you know, he had seen some of our webinars online and, um, you know, had wanted to, I guess, just pick my brain a little bit. But, you know, overall, um, we'll continue to to monitor the situation and put out, you know, additional resources as we need to put out additional resources. But right now I, I feel like we've covered all of our bases. It's just a matter now of state plans starting to reopen and, and rinks doing what they're supposed to be doing. Yeah. You know what? That's uh, that's great feedback. I guess it sounds from what you're saying then, John, it sounds like the government body is coming back to you guys to let you somewhat establish uh, and develop what you've already done uh, a standard operating procedure if you will, when the arenas are actually going back and starting up again, that'd be fair to say? Yeah, yeah. I mean, first first step for any rink right now is to make sure you have the PPAs for your staff and you have the cleaning products that you need to clean your facility. I mean, really, I, I don't see how anyone can open a building or even think to open a building without those two things in place. Right, right. So let me uh, switch it over to another topic, uh, I'm curious. And I speak of uh, OEM, a ice resurfacer uh, supplier, manufacturer being Zamboni. When it comes to training, your fingers on the pulse, John, you're all over the country. You're in front of so many operators and arena managers. Have they come back to you and said, this is something we're looking for. This is something we need that perhaps you can share with us that we need to develop or at least take a look at to be able to bring back to the industry uh, and to the, uh, the operators and arena uh, managers? Yeah, I mean, we, boy, what was Apollo, maybe four or five years ago, um, I came out, um, actually sat down with, with Don and Paula and, you know, kind of kicked around some ideas that we had been hearing from members as far as the types of training and the types of questions that they had. And, you know, I, I think, um, uh, I think as far as, um, you know, operating ice resurfacers, I think it's, it's always going to evolve as we as we get different types of operators in our building as new technology comes out and people understand that that technology and you know embrace it a little bit more um i, I don't know if i fully answered your question marty yeah you, you kind of did so i guess where i'm going with this is i mean as you've seen and you've shared with the industry uh uh in the united states uh, our training videos that we've uh, started producing and putting out there on uh, our YouTube channel. Is there anything over and above that that perhaps the the audience, uh, the operators, arena managers uh, would would be looking for outside of those training uh, videos that we've been doing? Well, I mean, I I love the videos. I think they're I think they're very helpful. I think um, you know some things breaking them down a little bit more, um, a little bit more. 
safety-oriented type um, training video is, is great. I mean, the first thing I have, you know, a new new driver before I put him on a, on a machine, first thing he's going to do is he's going to watch a, a circle check video and, you know, understand how the machine actually works. And, you know, I, I think the content you guys have put out definitely accomplishes that, um, you know, for me from taking my first class as a new operator. Um, you know, I, I had such a great experience because I had, I had never driven a, a Zamboni, let alone seen one up close um, before I started working in an ice rink. And I took the IMEO class about a week before I started at my first, um, first rank. And, you know, I had Terry Pichet um, was my on ice instructor and, Dave Westcott, I think that was one of the first IMEO classes he actually taught. Um, so, you know, actually not picking up any bad habits probably helped me a little bit, but then, you know, seeing different instructors um, and how they teach. And, you know, one thing that stuck out with me, you know, David always kind of told me how, how you can determine your down pressure. Um, but then actually seeing Don do it in front of everyone with a tape measure and, and explaining how to actually do that. And Don, I don't know if you remember, I actually, I took a video of it. Um, and that was, I, I think, one of our first videos that we actually used in a class to kind of show everyone what we were talking about, not not just tell them. Well, that's, that's uh, really good to have you say that. Well, I, I actually specifically remember that class. You and I were in, uh, we were in Everett, Washington. Marty, do you have uh, any other questions that you might want to ask? You know, uh, we did a podcast with uh, the technical uh, director uh, of ORFA, uh, Terry Pichet, a couple weeks ago. And the question I asked him, and I'm going to ask you the same question. What, uh, what amount of liability is your association willing to take on based on what the government is requesting and what they're putting out there for these arenas to come back and play? I mean, that is a, it's a very delicate question. Uh, with a delicate answer, but it's one that needs to be asked because there's some serious things that are going on. I mean, up here in Canada, our government is able to trace back right to the source of somebody con being uh, uh, contacted uh, by COVID-19. Um, how is your how is your association going to deal with this uh, moving forward in the U.S.? Hmm. That's a good question. I stumped you. Sorry, dude. <laughs> No, I, you know, for for us, we're a little bit, we're going to be a little bit different than Ontario for the simple fact that we have 50 different states with 50 different plans and, you know, 50 different phases and, and all of that. And what's difficult for us is to address a rink in Colorado. Uh, it might be a totally different conversation than a rink in Wyoming. And, and how you move on and move forward and, and do these things. And, you know, uh, all we can really do is put out best practices and, you know, encourage people to follow their state protocols. But, you know, other than that, I'm, I'm not quite sure what else we can do as an organization. I, we can't do it for them. All we can do is try to provide the best resources, the best guidance that we can. That makes sense. Yeah, sure. I mean, just making suggestions. That's exactly what I was hoping you were going to say. Because um, it, it, I mean, 
nobody wants to take on that liability and you said it as best uh, uh, as possible that it is a suggestion. Um, it's not an SOP unless the government, uh, both uh, municipal, state and federal, uh, put it into uh, black and white. So yeah, perfect. John, I'm gonna go, go on a slightly different tangent here and uh, ask for your opinion. This is kind of a little poke in the ribs for Mr. Kelleher. Um, what, what is your take uh, personally on whether pros should be in the Olympic games? And uh, uh, do you feel that uh, 2022 is gonna happen in Beijing with either professional athletes playing or amateurs playing on the hockey side of things? Boy, well, um, I mean, kind of whether the Olympics happens, I, I think it's going to be kind of the same thing that the local folk are dealing with too. If, if the confidence isn't there, the athletes aren't going to be. So I, I'd be disappointed if if the Olympics didn't happen. Um, but at the same time, I'm I'm glad I'm not the one that's responsible for making that decision. And what's your preference, whether it be amateurs like what happened in 1980 or professionals like what started in, uh, I think it was 98 or somewhere about there in Nagano? Well, keep it in mind that uh, one of the organizations that, <laughs> that I work for is USA Hockey. Um, you know, we, I, I love watching amateur athletes. I love watching professional athletes. On the Olympic stage, I guess we we look at putting forward our our best. So whether that's a professional athlete or an amateur athlete, I'd I'd, I'd just expect to have us put forth our best team. Sure, but I'm that's about as politically correct <laughs> as I can say that. It's like I said, this is more of a jab. It's a conversation when when Pat sees me coming. He always is turning and trying to run because I'm telling him it should be amateurs and he wants it to uh, to be just like what you stated, which is best possible. And uh, I'm still well, living back in the dark ages of believing that amateur athletes is where that should be for the Olympics. So I appreciate well, your your candidness. It, well, and, and, you know, I guess to elaborate on that a little bit, I, I look at this, too, and it's a great opportunity to grow our sports our ice sports when you have an Olympic venue like that and, you know, a kid that's living in Oregon who might not be exposed to professional hockey, but actually can cheer on team USA. And that's how he becomes a fan. And, but then also has that, that ability to follow, you know, whoever his favorite player might've been on team USA and then actually be able to follow that player playing on another team. That that's how we develop fans. That's how we develop, you know, a love for the sport and, and, membership and everything else so sure john i want to thank you and i'm going to throw this back to don to uh see if he's got anything left to ask uh thank you very much for participating putting up with uh, some some of the easier questions and some of the more difficult questions we greatly appreciate your time uh and answers okay. not a problem i do appreciate you guys having me on it was uh it was fun i haven't done something like this before so well, thank you for uh, participating in this. Uh, um, really appreciate the input and uh, and your dedication in our uh, in our industry. Thank you. Appreciate it.